And today on uh, Thursday Finance, we're going to take a look at bond markets and interest rates. We'll be joined by Richard Murphy for that. Uh, we'll have our market update and we will also take a look at how the market is sitting at the moment. Thursday Finance on 2 and URFM. And, uh, well, we're going to start off, um, Stephen Pritchard, as we're heading for looking at uh, bond markets and interest rates. But we're going to start off with taking a look at what's happening at the moment. Commodities, the ASX seems to have um, taken a little bit of a hit. Yeah, lots of things have taken a little bit of a hit. Um, the gold price is, is down $67 an ounce to $2,197.78. Uh, the copper price is down $161 a tonne to 8367 And the crude oil price is is down um, $6.83 a barrel to $85.77. Well, that means we're going to get cheap fuel for the weekend, no? <laughs> no, maybe. Uh, the currencies, um, the Australian dollar's down um, to 67.04 cents. Um, you know, that's probably a factor of the falling interest rates. Uh, the Great British Pound, we're down against that to 54.52 pence. And against the euro, we're down to 61.18 euro cents. So Okay, so it's all a bit down. Imports, mm-hmm. equity markets, yeah. um, all ordinaries are down 32.3 points and there was lots of red colour on the screen when I walked out this morning. Okay, uh, yeah. So, so down further, again today. Yes. Uh, the, S&P, the S&P 500 was down 90 points to 2,887 and the UK FTSE index was down 228.5 points to 7,122. So basically everything's Everything's down. down. That means a lack of confidence. Is it all to do with uh, something well, happening in America? America, um, China. And China. and Rights on the streets in Hong okay, Kong. Yeah, okay. And uh, some stocks. Uh, BHP uh, was down 20 cents to $36.30. Uh, CBA was down $1.58 to $79.60. Uh, NIB was down 36 cents to $7.11. And Telstra was up, surprisingly, 6 cents to $3.52. Okay, good for them. Now, um, fuel. fuel. Why not uh, fuel? Newcastle unleaded, $1.50. Which is the same as last week, and a dollar forty-two point two in Sydney, which is down two cents. Litre and and diesel a dollar forty-nine in Newcastle, and a dollar forty-six point four in Sydney. Thursday finance and time for our market update. Stephen Pritchard, let's speak to Henry Jennings and find out what's happening. Henry, Stephen, you're, hi. I'm good. You're back. I'm back from the wilds of Europe. Indeed. The wilds. Didn't yeah. look very wild to me. Wasn't that wild, I have to say. Yes. Croatia and Italy, not very wild at all. Very nice. Very nice. Very enjoyable. And so uh, the Reserve Bank cut the rates, and which was <laughs> one of the best-kept secrets. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we all knew they were going to cut the rates. The problem is I don't know what effect it's going to have. Um, the banks have not passed on the rate cuts in full, as you would expect. And the closer we get to zero... Um, we're now at 0.75, but the closer we get to zero, and there are people, Shane Oliver from the AMP amongst them, talking about 0.25% in official rates early next year. Now, um, that is somewhat startling, really, when you consider what that really means. That put a quarter of a percent on your interest rates. So oh. it's, it's going to be um, an interesting world if we get there for the uh, Australian economy, that's for sure. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, as we get closer to that 0.25, if we do, uh, the banks won't be passing on any of, uh, well, not all of that uh, decrease in rates because it's just stuff. 
margins up from point. Mm. Mm. Uh, Bill, Bill, yeah. Bill Evans from Westpac's predicted 0.5. Right, okay. Well, well Shane, Shane's gone out on a limb, 0.25. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever it is, it's probably it's, going to be lower another, than it is. So we're going to have another rate cut for sure, I'm sure. So. I don't know why the RBA just didn't go for the big bazooka, get that out the, the, the um, get that out their backpack and just go 0.5 and surprise everyone and give us a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, a sugar hit. But, you know, the, the, the problem is that the economy is slipping into, um, into a trade tariff abyss and the government is completely committed to a surplus. Mm. That means no, um, no real fiscal stimulus from them. And we're just relying on the poor old RBA, which is kind of running out of bullets. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, not, not such a great situation. Certainly the market not doing too well at the moment. Yes, and then so NAB NAB came out with a, <laughs> they've, eight, another 832 million. Yeah, to... a bit here, a bit there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, we have a, a precedent, an example of this in, in the UK. Clydesdale Bank have been on the hook and have been under pressure for so many years over um, some of their remediation issues over PPI, um, some of their insurance products they sold. Um, and, you know, we're just seeing it continuing in the banks. You know, NAB's another $1.2 billion for remediation and for, uh, for IT and systems updates and um, right down. It's just, you know, it, I think we're going to continue to see this as a, as a big issue for the banks going forward. And, of course, not cutting their rates as much as the RBA is politically uh, great fun for the, um, for the government to start bank bashing again. Um, I, you know, poor old banks can't win. It. Unfortunately, you know, if they, if they cut their rates by the same amount, the uh, profits would suffer, the dividends would suffer, the shareholders would squeal. Um, they would tighten their profit <laughs> credit lending. They would cut. The, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be good for the economy. We need strong banks for the economy. So um, you have to cut them a little bit of slack. Mm. Uh, but certainly, at the moment, it's back to bank bashing and 1.2 billion. Another one for the for the NABs. It's probably a matter of time before we see the same for. Um, others. And then I sign this as uh, suspended. It seems to be getting investigated left, right and centre. Yeah, this is a weird one. I, I used to have this in one of the portfolios I run and I got out um, having made um, a pretty good profit on it and um, yeah, it, it was, one day it was, um, it was a bit under pressure. While I was away it was under some pressure on performance shares it was issuing to shareholders which did look a little bit generous to say the least. did look a little bit um, range and of course they've come up with these these new um, sort of uh, statistics and measurements by which um, they're you know they're puffing the stock up but um, and then of course Monday I think the stock was up 14-15% on the back of this new um, measurement of their business and all the success they've been having and then Tuesday they were shockingly suspended um, for um, by the ASX and ASIC um, pending an investigation. So um, it's going to be interesting to see this one. Of course, the company has said the usual platitudes, uh, you know, fully cooperating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've not done anything wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But certainly, you know, um, these guys very much in the regulator's sites at the moment. Um, it is all about know your client. And um, I suspect that the heart of it is some uh, nefarious people that have been using uh, the back door, maybe. I don't know, but there's certainly some question marks over this one. Thursday Finance and our market update with Henry Jennings. Over to you, Stephen Pritchard. And Henry, uh, Kagan's launching a credit card now, and you get a $300 bonus or something by the looks of it. Um, yeah, it's good, isn't it? I mean, why yes. wouldn't you? 
Um, I guess um, this is the, the new frontier, isn't it? All this um, this new fintech and people like Kogan, and then we've got uh, Latitude coming to market mm-hmm. as well, which are doing deals with uh, people. In t- I think they've got the good guys on board, and they're offering um, catch of the day people first uh, first dibs at using buy now pay later. So there's a there's a huge push, uh, and of course Kogan, one of those into uh, getting you to use their platforms, their products, mm-hmm. um, their financial services and I suspect that you know with the, with the banks under some pressure as we talked about in places then uh, it's probably not a bad time to be trying to steal some of their business mm-hmm. um, and especially in something like credit cards if you think you know you got um, official interest rates at 0.75 and what are you paying on a credit card 20 percent no probably those, those, those rates haven't come down much have they no amazing no. amazing no, it must be absolutely jam for these banks well if you don't pay it off yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. You don't pay it off. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think I've got a few of those building up from Italy and Croatia, which I'm going to have to look at. Yeah, but you'll pay <laughs> when the bill comes in, Henry. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> nice thought, Stephen. <laughs> um, and Cap, Catman, he's got a big credit card bill now with the $350 million. They're blocking up for Rip Curl. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I think Rip Curl have been around, well, forever, haven't forever, they? Forever, yeah, forever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Catman do buying, going into the surf business. Um, so, um, yeah, interesting, really. I guess $350 million is not exactly um, small potatoes. But, um, yeah, Catman has been one of the, the, I guess, one of the success stories of the retail sector, yeah. if you can say that, because there's, there's plenty of retail casualties out there. But um, And, of course, it's very seasonal and very weather-related yes. as well. Yes. Um, a lot of um, a lot of their market is uh, Easter and Christmas yes. because people go away camping and, the weather's lousy, no one goes, and of course then we had the cold snap earlier this year, and yeah. it was fleece and puffer jackets at yep. 20 paces. Yes. I, everybody I saw had a puffer jacket. It was just ridiculous. Yes. Either Kathmandu or MacPack. Yep. Um, so, you know, they, they, they've done pretty well, so I guess it's a question of whether they can squeeze uh, more money out of... Um, board shorts. Yeah, boardies. Yeah, yeah time for summer. And uh, AMA is acquiring Suncorp Smart Crash Repairs, which will which will make them the biggest smash repair in Australia, apparently. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess it's a good deal for AMA. There's there's obviously um, the long term future for smash repairs. If we have electric cars that drive themselves, is an interesting one to contemplate. But at the moment, there seems to be no um, shortage of people having bingles. And, uh, and smash repairs doing very well out of insurance companies to, to fix them. So it's probably a smart move from, uh, from AMA. It's been a, a pretty smart operator in that space, I have to say. So AMA is not the Australian Medical Association no. in this respect? Well, same, same. I, think, I think it's a long stretch, uh, Jane, for the Medical Association to get into smash repairs. I would have but, thought but, so too. But, but maybe the two are slightly connected. They are indeed. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know what it stands for. The company's called AMA. Uh, yeah. uh, Australian Motor something, maybe. Excellent, I something, I don't know. <laughs> anyhow, no, it's not the Australian Medical, although they both pretend to fix things, don't they? And, yeah, well, yeah, some, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. And uh, Wilson Asset Manager uh, seems to be uh, trying to squeeze uh, Nine Entertainment here with uh, Shares and Macquarie Media. 
Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Jeff Wilson, of course, has uh, been quite high profile on a number of issues recently. Um, he's, uh, he reckons that nine uh, media, because they're trying to buy Macquarie Media, which is the, um, the radio broadcaster, they already own a big slug of it, um, but he reckons they're getting them too cheap, and he's accused them of selectic, selective non-disclosure. Uh, which is interesting to try and uh, get the uh, the cheap ones. Yes. So um, yes, uh, interesting. But Jeff has, has certainly been uh, very vocal in a lot of these sort of situations recently. Um, I'm, there, there was, of course, the franking credit issue yes. around the election mm-hmm. time. Um, so he's, he's not a man that's afraid to, uh, no. to to be out there and take it on the chin. So um, yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll see how he goes. I suspect it's going to be uh, hard. I think nine owns around ninety percent. Um, anyway, so um, I think that's uh, that's the problem. And Invacare has come out and wants to uh, ban the sale of uh, funeral insurance. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the horse has bolted on that, on that one. Yeah. Um, but yes, Invocare, of course, um, uh, the funeral uh, directors, um, they, they own a lot of the, um, the funeral parlours and the funeral businesses, death mm-hmm. industry businesses that, that we know and love around the world, things like... Um, White Lady and all those sorts yep. of things that look as if their family owned are actually, in fact, uh, owned yep. by Invocare. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly it was something that came under a lot of scrutiny from the Royal Commission um, and a lot of criticism as well uh, and those sorts of uh, yep. products being sold. So yep. it may, may be a smart move for them, but I, I guess it cuts off a little bit of their own revenue. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because they, they did uh, rely on people... Um, taking out those policies and prepaying funerals and all yeah. those sorts of yeah. things. So maybe not, not a great move for them. Okay. Talk to you next week, Henry. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. To NURFM's Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. It's time for us to take a little look at bond markets and interest rates. And uh, he's a regular guest on this show and Richard Murphy joins got, us got, now. Yeah, we've got Richard today with us to talk about the bond markets and interest rates. And uh, I suppose the news this week to start with is uh, the RBA cut the cash rate again to uh, 2.75%. And, and there's talk, um, as we spoke about earlier, that uh, the expected rate cut another 025 early next year. So how's that all? What do you think about all that, Richard? Um, well, it's it's kind of what you and I have been talking about now over the last, I suppose it's over the last year. We've been talking about this. Uh, first of all, that, you know, rates were thought last year to maybe be going up, but then there has been economic uncertainty all around the world, just in terms of, well, economies have been growing for over 10 years since the GFC propped up by lower rates. Mm-hmm. Could they handle higher rates? And the, the answer was no, they haven't. And suddenly, suddenly all around the world, central banks are lowering rates everywhere and even talking about starting to start QE again, which is the banks buying bonds and things like that. So, yes, if you look, if you look at the, the ASX futures market that predicts uh, where interest rates are going to go by virtue of all the big institutions trading certain futures contracts. You can see that, once again, they're, they're expecting over the next 18 months, two years, for, for the cash rate to go down again further, which, um, which you know, that's, that's what basically every, every uh, commentator is now saying, well, yes, the cash rate's going to have to be cut again. To 0.5. Yep, to 0.5, and, and who knows, who knows, from there, but it, it's you know it, it's obviously hurting people who are saving. Mm-hmm. A lot of term deposits are going to keep on going down, and I've heard now from two of the um, the four major banks, from the people who run their 
their wealth management divisions who are talking to their most wealthy clients, so the very the, the private bank clients, and they're basically telling them, look, we don't have any good news for you in term deposits. Um, the, the term deposit rate is... Yeah, the, term, the term deposit rate is falling. Yeah, 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 it's going down. It'll go down again and again, so don't expect it to remain where it is now. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't so long ago you could get high twos, but now you're, you're lucky to get two at all. Yeah, I haven't. I had a look yesterday and today, and I couldn't see two anywhere. Anywhere? And then, uh, I was just looking at the major bank website just to see, okay. and, yeah. that, and I think even some of them hadn't even moved yet in response to the. Um, they have to decide what they were going to do in the lending side first before they would move their current deposits. So, I just think that's the, the the way of the world now. You know, if you're getting one and a half, it's probably. That's probably a good rate. If you're getting one and a half for, for three months, that's probably going to be what you can expect um, yeah. for a three-month return deposit. Yeah, I mean, just one thing about those websites. I've found if you if you actually go into the branch, you'll get a, usually get a higher rate than they're advertising on the websites and the online. So yes, yes, the yes. listeners should be aware that you know d- d- don't just accept that. You know, go into the go into the go into the branch and find out what you're going to get there. So so how does this all fit with um, the bond market? Of course, the bond market would have would have reacted as well. Well, no, the bond market was expecting this to occur, so the, the, the bond market usually is pretty good at predicting what's going to happen. doesn't always get it right um, by any stretch, but it quite often gets it right that everybody in, in, you know, in Australia and certainly around the world can see that all central banks are lowering rates. So this, this, this cut was expected, so the bond market didn't really react. The thing, the thing about and I was getting a presentation to the older Australian in Richard, we're, ha- we're having trouble hearing you, Richard. Um, is, are you in a, a good place for... Um, no, I'm in... Oh. Yeah, I'm better. I'm standing up now. Hi, Richard. So we, we were Hi, talking Steve. about um, the... Um, the, the um... How bonds had, uh, how bonds had reacted yes, to the interest rate Yes, how bonds had reacted to the interest rate cuts, yep. Yeah, look... Um, as I said, the bond market had already reacted, but I was talking. I was saying I was talking to some older city of them, and they were they were saying, "Look, I'm getting 1.5 percent of my current deposit, and I can get a government bond, say, at 1.5 percent, exactly the same. Is there any benefits in the government bond over the the term deposit? And the only the only benefit is is that that government bond 1.5 percent might give you that for three years, for example, until." Your term deposits are more likely at this stage to go down again at some point. And so if you wanted to lock in a particular rate for a longer period of time, you can do that with bonds and you might lock in 2% with with a corporate bond. Um, whereas if you're three months might fall and then six months might fall again. So that's that's one of the benefits of bonds. You can lock in for a so historically in Australia, the, the the private investors' portfolios have have been underweight in bonds, probably because they're 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 um, more difficult to access than than particularly the U.S. market, where there's a large range of bonds trade on the on the main boards over there. So so what should investors be doing? You know, the equity market, you know, there's some profits if you've held the right shares. So so what do you think people should be doing in respect of increasing their weighting to bonds in their equity portfolio, Richard? Yeah, it's important that they are diversified, um, not just diversified in the inequities, but diversified across different asset classes. And I think most people get that. With bonds, you used to not be able to get them on the ASX. You can now get government bonds in the ASX. And via XTDs, you can now get corporate bonds on the ASX. 
as well. And you can get um, exchange-traded funds, ETFs over bonds, and managed funds over bonds if you don't want to, to pick them. The benefit of actually picking bonds individually is they mature, and therefore you have very predictable um, investment returns. You know before you invest what you're going to get, just like a turn deposit where you know you're going to get, unfortunately, 1.5% or 1.8% or whatever the number is. Same with bonds. If you buy them and hold them to maturity, you know what you're going to get before you invest, subject only to the corporate bond issuer or the government bond issuer not collapsing and not paying you back. But if you stick with investment-grade bonds, ASX 100 companies, for example, um, then that's a much lower risk of a company um, actually collapsing. So they're, they're a lot more available now than they were. Certainly um, 10 years ago, there was nothing. And then ASX put out government bonds, and then, then ASX put out corporate bonds via XCBs, which, which is what, what we do. And so there is a lot more choice and availability now. And bit by bit, people are getting that and realizing I'll get a little bit more return, not much more than a return deposit, because lending money to lending money to Telstra, for example, isn't um, that much more risky than lending it to a bank. And when you put your money in your return deposit, although it's not government guaranteed, so you don't get a huge amount more, but you don't get a huge amount more risk, and it's very predictable, safe. Um, dull and boring, basically, and you need a bit of dull and boring in your portfolio as well as your equities for growth and property for growth. But they don't. If you hold to maturity and the company doesn't fall over, then your capital is safe, and that's the important thing, particularly for older Australians, not to, um, you know, go into certain equities and suddenly um, bad things happen in, in, in the world, and suddenly the equity market falls 20%, and you've lost 20% of your capital, or dividends are cut. And you, you, they can't cut coupons and bonds, so it's just it's a lot it's it's a lot safer than than growth assets, and that's the whole point of fixed income, is to give you something more stable, a bit more than current deposits for a bit more risk. And one one of the major difference between the fixed interest uh, funds and um, and um, bonds is is buying the bonds directly is the is the um, certainty of the outcome. So on the day you buy the, the you either buy the um, the bond, for example, you know what your income is going to be and what your what your capital position is going to be over the term of the bond, but you can never get that in a fixed income fund or even a fixed uh, income ETF, because the exactly. the underlying portfolio could be changing, which results in capital gains and losses, and 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 particularly if money's pouring in, um, you, your income is going to be tending downwards. So so the the bond will give you the certainty that it's not there in the other fixed income pooled products. That's right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's that's just a, that's just the fundamental difference between buying bonds individually versus in a fund, which is just a perpetual fund that just goes on forever. They don't know when you're going to sell, so they can't. If you say, "What will I get in 2025?" Um, say somebody needs needs something for a, a, you know they're going to buy a house in 2025. The funds can't tell you that. The ETF can't tell you that. Whereas you can buy bonds and say, "Right, I'll get all these bonds maturing in 2025. I'll get a hundred dollars capital back." fixed income along the way, so I know exactly what I'm going to get. And as long as I'm happy, those five or ten companies, whatever the number is, um, they're safe companies that aren't going to um, collapse between now and then, then that's predictable. So that's the point you're making. Yep, that's right. Okay, well, we'll probably talk to you again in uh, uh, you know, six or eight weeks again, Richard, which is probably once before Christmas. Indeed. All right, see you. very okay. nice talking to you again. All Thanks, Richard. To a new RFM's Thursday finance, seven minutes away from the one o'clock news from the Hunter newsroom. Stephen Pritchard, 
Well, there seems to have been a lot of downward movement in the markets around the world, <laughs> uh, and the, should we be taking action? Well, it's, it's downward movement in the, in the equity markets around the world, and, 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 and um, people should look from time to time, as we've spoken about before, to rebalance their portfolio. Now, I think what's happening is is that people need to expect uh, lower returns in the future from what we've been used to in the past. Um, and if you look at a, a traditional... Um, balanced portfolio, which is 50% in fixed interest and 50% in equities or growth assets. And, you know, previously, the last five or six years, you've been getting returns of 7 and 8% on those. And I think you've got to have to readjust your expectations with the fall in the interest rates and the, and the, the equity markets down around five. So I think you need to look at your investment portfolio and work on a return of five and see if that that's going to give you sufficient money to live on. Now, I know that some people are are, are, are selling um, some assets to buy bank shares in particular um, because we're getting them wandering into our office, but people seem to forget that there's a risk in bank shares. Then the bank, while the term deposit might be guaranteed up to 250000 by the federal government, the bank shares themselves are not guaranteed. Okay. And, and you need to remember that while CBA is around $80 now, during the GFC it dropped to 29 I think. So, so you can easily, you can easily drop significant monies on the value of your, your portfolio if you're going to switch um, just chasing the higher yield. And we're also seeing the emergence of, um, of uh, mezzanine-type finance products being offered to investors that, that are promising higher returns. Uh, and they were all there in the previous property boom and and we've already seen the collapse of one of these lenders and this talk that, that you know most of the people's money have been lost. So chasing the higher rates, just be aware of what risk you're taking on and you need to think about what you're trying to achieve to start with. And the return on the portfolio is the return on the portfolio. And, and, and generally, you can only get a higher return by taking on a higher risk. And that, 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 that's fine if you appreciate it. But, you know, if a mezzanine lender is offering you 12% and, and you can get, Two percent at the bank. Um, you need to think about how they can afford to pay twelve percent, and they're lending to people who the bank won't lend to because of the high risk involved in it. Okay, and at some stage, I think we should probably um, have a little program on or a section of a program on a mezzanine lender and what that means. Anyway, that is Thursday Finance for today. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.